Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. So this one, I'm going to be going through uh, an article that I came across the other day and sort of got me. I wanted to go through this because there's like about half of it that I really, really agree with and I think is really insightful. And I think is I haven't talked about it in this particular way, so I wanted to go through that and show that to you. And then the other half of it, I couldn't disagree with more. And so <laughs> I wanted to go through this article because it's it's pretty interesting. But before I do that, we're going to be sort of going over this whole topic of you know, where are all the good Upwork clients, which is a question that this, uh, this guy got uh, was the impetus for this article. But I, I'm sort of wondering what you think. Do you feel like all the good jobs on Upwork are disappearing or, or maybe... You know, maybe you felt like there never were any there. What has been your experience with with that whole sort of thing? I'm interested to know what you think. So, gonna get into that. Before I do, I got this email. I uh, I thought this was pretty pretty cool, so I wanted to share this with you. So I got this from Simone, and Simone actually had a question, which I'll get to uh, maybe in a different episode, or maybe just respond via email, but. To start off the the email, she wrote me this. She said, I was battling with everything about Upwork. And when I spoke to the support people, they recommended watching some of your videos on cover letters, among other links, which I have been doing. I enjoy the way you teach. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. And it was sort of mentioned offhand here, but I thought that was that was kind of cool that some of the support staff over at Upwork are actually recommending some of the videos that I've I've done. I didn't know that. And so I just wanted to say thanks to Simone for sharing that because uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So I thought I'd share that with you. And then also uh, been trying to recommend videos to you lately that'll help supplement what we're talking about in this one. And probably maybe the most popular video, at least one of the most popular videos over the last uh, year or so that I did was a video called How to Write Proposals That Get You the Job on Upwork. And that would be the video that when you're done with this one, I recommend I'll link it up. If you're on YouTube, you'll see the button up here uh, that you can click to go to that video. Also link it on the end screen so you can find it there once you get done watching this video. If you're listening on the audio version, uh, I don't have, I, I, I must not have done this as an audio podcast. This must have been just a straight YouTube video. So I don't have an audio podcast, but if you want to watch the YouTube video, you can find the link to it on the show notes page for this episode, which will be johnmorrisshow.com slash 307. So I uh, highly recommend taking a look at that video. All right, so the article that we're going to go through is an article from Freelance to Win, a guy named Danny Margulies. He's a copywriter, puts out a lot of good information about freelancing, I think, and and so I wanted to go through this article. Uh, again, I'll link to the article if you want to read it yourself. I, I recommend you do. It's it's pretty quick. It doesn't take a, very long to get through. Being go to johnmorrisshow.com slash 307. I'll link to it on the show notes page there. So let me read through this question that he got so you can get the context here. So he must have done some sort of webinar on freelancing and uh, a guy named Curtis sent him this question and said, listen with great interest to your webinar on Upwork. All of your tips are very sound. Quite a few I've never, I'd never thought of. One topic not addressed is, in my opinion, a major nut to crack. I've got over 30 years experience as a copywriter. I promote myself as an expert. I have great scores on Upwork, great reviews, etc. The obstacle is the fact that so many people say they want an expert, and when you check their stats, the average hourly rate, the majority of them are paying 
uh, even ones in the U.S., is less than $20 an hour, many times less than 10 Often the description of their projects are outrageously involved, requiring work that can never be written by anything less than an expert. Yet I routinely see their average hourly pay rates of 3 to $5 an hour. I've never seen a single solicitation for an expert that offers more than 35 or 40 As a result, I've been contracted for work only sporadically, a fraction of those I apply for, and that was for 60 per hour. Where are these people willing to pay 70 80 100 and more? Now, he's talking about copywriting, but this very much applies to developers and really freelancers in general as well because I know I get this question all the time about you know, where are these clients that are willing to pay this or Upwork is a race to the bottom or all the, the clients on Upwork are low ballers. I literally just did a video about lowballing to address this. And so I, I think it's a relevant question for us and even though I've talked about it, I think Danny does a good job of addressing this. And the major point that he makes here is that clients will pay more than than what they say they will. So, for example, he uses his own client account uh, to illustrate this and shows that if you look at his client account, it says that his average hourly rate is $26.81. However, he quite literally just hired someone at $50 an hour and paid them over $4,000 in total uh com- or total fees left them a five-star review and a really good or five-star rating and a really good review so what his, the point that he's making is is that if you judged him simply by what Upwork said his average hourly rate was you would think that he's the type of client that would never pay $50 an hour but he quite literally just did and and would be more than happy to his problem is finding freelancers that are that charge that much that are are good enough to be able to charge that much and if he could find more he absolutely would hire them so that's the first point clients will often pay more than they say they will whether it's an hourly rate whether it's a a fixed price rate you can't 100% judge a project or a client by what their average hourly hourly rate is or what the budget they put on the project is. Sometimes they just have no idea what the right thing to charge is. So that's the first point. The second one is, and again, this is sort of the points that he, he's making here, says that clients know what they're what they're going to be expected to pay. And so he shows a screenshot here, and I'll try to throw this up on YouTube. If you're on the audio version, you'll just have to check the show notes page but or, or, or check his article. But when uh, a client creates a project, they're asked to select whether it's the, their desired experience level, so whether it's entry level, intermediate, or expert. If someone selects the expert level, well, actually, for all of those levels, underneath the the, the designation it gives them sort of a rough estimate of what they could expect to pay. So, for example, in the screenshot he shows, for entry level for that particular project, it says they could expect to pay less than $20 an hour. For intermediate, it's $20 to $46.50 an hour. And for expert, it's $46.50 an hour or greater. It actually shows that right on Upwork when the client is creating the project. So the client knows. They have an idea of what they're going to expect to pay. Now, sure... Some clients might select expert and seeing that it's, you know, $40, $50 an hour and hoping that maybe they can find someone who will do it for 25 But 
those are going to be a, a lot less than the amount of clients who see that and understand, okay, this is what I'm going to expect to pay. And if they don't want to pay $50 an hour, they're going to select the the next level down. They're going to select the level that's in, in the pay range that they generally want to pay. So again, clients know uh, what they're going to be expected to pay. So if they see that the general average hourly rate starts at you know, $50 an hour, and you come in and you apply at 60, that's really not out of whack of their expectations. You might have to justify why you're 60 or 70 instead of 50, but it's not just so crazy that they have no idea what what to expect. So they know. The third thing then is the part where we get into where I disagree. So where he starts talking about search filters. So I want to I want to read this to you so that we can sort of be on the page, same page with this. So he he sort of finishes off by saying I have to admit the first few times people emailed me asking where are all the good upward clients I was pretty confused. What did 4 million clients suddenly stop posting jobs? I've emailed a few of my fo- upwork friends to make sure they were still go- doing good. Then one day I figured out the trick to responding to to those emails. I wrote back to this one guy and said, describe to me the exact process you're using when looking for jobs. Do you know what he wrote back? He said he was filtering his search to only include jobs with specific keywords with specific budgets. Keep in mind, clients will often pay way more than their stated budget by clients who had already hired at least 10 plus freelancers and spent over $10,000, et cetera, et cetera. The guy was using so many, many filters, he was screening out a ton of jobs that would have been perfect for him. I know it for a fact because I did an unfiltered search and found a bunch of good jobs for myself. I tried to tell him, but he wrote back insisting that he wanted to be selective. How can you be selective when you can't even see what your options are? Other people tell me they use filters to search for jobs because it saves them time. If your freelancing business is already pretty busy and successful, saving time with Upwork search filters can be okay, but be careful not to take it too far. When I first started Upwork, people told me to filter our clients who were new and had no spending history. That didn't make any sense to me. All of the best Upwork clients were brand new at some point, right? Listen to that silly advice would have cost me tens of thousands of dollars and caused me to miss out on great clients like this. When he goes on and, and, and sort of talks about the problem with search filters. Now, those of you who have listened to the show for any amount of time know that this is one of the things that I recommend regularly is for you to use the search filters to help you find the absolute best jobs. Now, I think where we would disagree is what it sounds like to me is that this person I was talking to, and and I could see this happening, is sort of using these search filters as an end-all, be-all, right? Like, I have never advised anybody to have one set of search filters that they use, and that's it. That has never been my advice. My advice has always been... I've call this all sorts of different names, but my advice has really generally always been that it's a process, that it's it's more about learning how to use the tool and use it effectively than it is finding one magic bullet of search filters. And so one of the things that I teach is exactly how to do that, to understand how to use these tools and how to use uh, these search filters effectively not to you know just have this one sort of rigid set of filters, but to actually dissect and analyze a particular market you know, in several different ways. And, and the big point is to consistently find the best jobs. And the point I would make here is that this idea of, well, if I, if I had used search filters, I would have missed out on this one particular job. Well, well, a lot of these, a lot of these searches that I've done, where I do the filters, and I've showed you all this, 
you know, a lot of them still have 100, 200, 300, 400 jobs. Even when we're using these really tight search filters and search parameters, you're not going to be able to bid on all those jobs. You're not even going to look through all. You're not going to sit there and look through 400 jobs. I'm sorry. If you are, you're not analyzing each job in detail. You're just skimming very, very quickly. So if you could miss, you know, if you could, I, I guess I could use the same sort of argument, right? If you could, by, by using filters and, and narrowing it down to say 400 jobs, you could miss a job that might be potentially good for you, might be a long-term client. If you're not filtering and you have to search through 10,000 jobs, you're almost certainly likely to miss jobs that could be good for you. The difference is, is that in that case, the jobs that you are likely to miss are the ones that have clients who have actually paid and hired people and paid on Upwork, who've spent a bunch of money, who have really good ratings, all those sorts of things. So you can miss clients either way. What we're looking at is what is how can we stack it in a certain way that where we're long-term statistically more likely to find the better jobs on Upwork on a consistent basis? And that's what search filters are for. And that's why it's a process, not an end-all, be-all set of filters. And so, again, this is one of the things that I teach very, very heavily is how to not just define one set, but how to just dissect and analyze in a bunch of different ways. And again, the big point is consistency, long-term consistency of finding each day the best jobs because there are a ton of jobs in every niche that are posted each and every day. And so each and every day, you really have to go through this process because a new job could have been posted that fits your most ideal criteria that you could get hired for. And you want to make sure you see that one first. Then if you don't get hired, you can expand out and you can ultimately get to the point of being almost unfiltered if necessary in order to get hired. So again, I think there's a distinction there. And I think you search filters used correctly can be very, very effective. Now, of course, this is just one sort of big piece of the puzzle, right? Consistently finding the best jobs is great, but now you have that, okay, I got to get hired for this job. And can I, are these people actually going to hire me? And a, a big part of that is going through and, and writing your proposals. So that's sort of the next big step with all of this is, is writing your proposals. And the analogy I would use is the the one I've used in a past video, which is when I used to sell cars, you know, they're th these kind of clients who who are willing to pay good money, you have to talk to them differently than you would someone who's really just focused on price. And when I would sell cars, you know, the person who came in looking for a Lexus, the pitch I made to them was different than the person who came in looking for a Cavalier. In one side, they're more focused on probably luxury and image and convenience where the other side it's more price it's more reliability durability those sorts of things now both are are concerned about all of those things but one places importance uh, on one set more than the other set and so again you have to speak differently to people that are willing to pay good money for uh, uh for good work the the just what they want to hear is different and so, again, this is one of the things that I teach really heavily is how to write proposals that speak to those sort of premium clients that tell them what they want to hear. And even beyond that, even in this sort of premium category, the clients that are willing to pay good money, 
there's individual clients and even with clients there's individual projects and they all have sort of different things that you need to say and that those clients want to hear in order to hire someone and so the big thing that I teach again is a process for pulling out what those things are for identifying those because clients will almost always tell you exactly what they are so pulling those out and then how to how to speak to those in a way that is believable is credible and, and makes the client believe what you're saying and ultimately have more persuasive effect. So that's sort of the big second piece. And then the final third one that I've talked heavily about is the role your profile plays in all of this. So when you submit your pro proposal, your profile shows up along with that, right? Your, your proposal is basically sandwiched in amongst uh, your profile. Plus, it has to do with showing up in searches, showing, showing up in the suggested freelancers, uh, you know, showing up all sorts of different places across Upwork and, and having a profile that that consistently gets you to show up high on those lists. So you're more likely to get invited to jobs. And then also when someone actually looks at your profile, whether it's through a search or it's because you've submitted a proposal, it does a good job of persuading them and being congruent with what you've submitted in your proposal. Because if you submit a proposal that you've done a good job of demonstrating yourself as a quality freelancer, but it's attached to a profile that doesn't match that, that's going to throw a client off and be a reason why they might not hire you. So you have to have all three of these things in order. And oh, the thing is, is when you when you understand all of these things and you put all three together, the 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 kind of results that you get after knowing all that and after diving into all, to all of it versus just sort of going on there and not really knowing any of this, I mean, I think it's obvious that that would be be night and day. So once you get all these th three things in line, that's when you can really sort of feel confident, be able to do the things that you want to do on Upwork and sort of open the floodgates in terms of the jobs and the income that you can make on Upwork. So anyway, like I said, this is all stuff that I teach. I teach it inside my Upwork 101 course, which right now I have a uh, $10 promotion running for the launch of the new section that I uh, that I added to it where I talk about proposals. And uh, you can get the entire course for just 10 bucks, but that ends tomorrow, March 28th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you want to get in on it, need to do so now. Uh, you can go to upwork101.com, uh, YouTube, I'll, I'll put the button up here for you to click to, to get to that a little bit more easily. But again, that's upwork101.com. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also make sure and do hit that bell and select all notifications. Otherwise, basically you're leaving up to YouTube, whether they notify you my videos or not. Maybe that's what you want, but if not, if you want to make sure you always see all my videos when they come up. Make sure and hit the bell and select all notifications so you'll be notified whenever I post a video. Uh, so I'd appreciate if you do that. Also, past episodes, all the links to subscribe on Android, iTunes, TuneIn. You can find all that at johnmorrisshow.com. And finally, if you'll rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, I'll give you module one of my PHP 101 course for free. All the instructions on how to get that module, you can find at johnmorrisshow.com. Just click on the Start Here link at the top. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.